Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the only podcast that can feel it coming in the air tonight. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. Sometimes <laughs> was... sometimes when you're thinking about these and, and staring off into the distance, you look like an owl. <laughs> I don't... It's not an insult. It's just a statement of fact. Just your eyes get very wide and you stare, like, vacantly off into the distance. And it's just like, oh, there's a barn owl. I Thank you? Yeah. Uh, Owl-looking m- motherfucker. Another commonality I have with owls is that uh, I can also turn my head 270 degrees. Uh, I also have offset ear holes that make my hearing a pinpoint, and I also don't make noise when I fly. Also, as w- which came up in Sarah's wedding vows, you also regurgitate little pellets all over the place. <laughs> it's true. Did Frequently you know that with pieces of vole in them? Did you know that owls don't make noise when they fly? No, that's like, dope as hell. If yeah, if you if you held like a hawk's wing and you flapped it back and forth, you would hear a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. You know, like a like a fan. Owl feathers do not make noise. Yeah, That's bird right. facts, bird, bird facts. facts. We gotta get a little musical sting for that too. All right, uh, bird corner. <laughs> up in the up in the nest, bird nest with Marty. All right, would you, uh, you just do like a little like a a cawing like a a falcon screech like ah. Bird oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, we are not just a podcast that comes up with other ideas for segments and future podcasts. We are a podcast about Baby Boomer Television, uh, specifically the Andy Griffith Show. And, you know, really, Dan, when we were coming up with um, with intros today, nothing happens to us yeah. uh, anymore. So I looked on Twitter uh, for a second just to see if we had anything. I thought we were going to have to talk about the Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg cage fight that didn't happen. You texted me. It's back on. Oh, good. Oh, good. You texted me like Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg cage fight. What's going on? And I didn't realize this was an actual thing. I was like, ah, Dan's drunk. Uh, yeah. And, and we had a long just, conversation. Just pitching ideas. I'm like, is this anything? Can we make this happen? And you, you know, we had a long conversation about how this would go, and then I found out that, oh, the these fucking morons are actually doing, pretending to do a thing because we live in the dumbest universe. Anyway, it's going to be fun to watch Elon Musk get his face beat in by an actual crazy person. Yes. Mark I, Zuckerberg is doing what rich people are supposed to do, which is just pay a man to make you jacked. Yes, and he is an actual crazy person with who recently had a failed VR startup. So he, I'm assuming he has a lot of rage to oh, get Oh, he's out. got he's got so much like like irritation. Anyway, so we are Nerd a baby anger. boomer. We have we have we're a baby boomer television podcast. And I looked on Twitter and I found out something that I didn't want to know. Uh, which is speak the the most what Dan? What's the most baby boomer song of all time in your opinion? American Pie. Good answer. Good yeah. answer. Pretty close, but I'm going to say that the most baby boomers song of all time is We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> A song that you hate that I will I defend. Despise. Oh, you you want to defend you want to defend I We Didn't Start the Fire? Love you want to defend song. We Didn't it Start the Fire? Fun. 
It is hey, a man. good time. Oh crap! Hey man, go ahead and click on that little YouTube link that I just I just dropped into chat, and you and I are gonna take a quick minute here. Uh, anyway, what I saw on Twitter is that Fallout Boy has oh, no. has covered we didn't start the fire. Uh, yesterday they released this. This is a lyric video, Dan. I've never heard this before ever. Uh, okay. So. You and I are both going to hit play at the same time. And I did read some of the lyrics. And let's read some of these lyrics out loud while we get to this. All right. You ready? I am at. I, I'm ready. One, two, two three. three. This is already so bad. Oh, my God. Musically, We Didn't Start the Fire is a terrible song, right? Like, it's catchy. Billy, Billy Joel doesn't like the music for... Oh, the guitar just kicked in. Oh, my God. This is mixed so badly, I can barely hear the little... It's like I'm on the menu screen for Sonic Adventure Battle 2. Oh, God, they did deep fakes out the gate. That does not bode well. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm gonna pause, 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 pause. I'm sorry. In no world should Co- Kurt Cobain and Pokemon be next to each other in so any let's, covering I, of anything. We're, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna fucking listen to this whole thing. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna read these lyrics to you, and you can do it in like however you imagine the Fallout Boy guy uh, pretending to be Billy Joel sounds. I'll, it sounds a little bit like this. Captain Planet, Airy Spring, Lily Riots, Rodney King, Deep Fakes, Earthquake, Iceland Volcano. It sounds a little bit like that. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma City Bomb, Kurt Cobain, Pokemon. Jesus, fuck what is wrong with you? Don't put the Oklahoma City bombing within the same fucking paragraph as Pokemon. I mean, that's, no. how, that, that's how Billy Joel did it. Billy Joel woke up one day and he was like, I'm 50 years old. Time to talk about whatever the most important thing that happened in the last 50 years. Because I'm the most important thing in the world. 50 year olds. Uh, okay. Verse so- two starts off with more war in Afghanistan. Cubs go all the way again. Obama, Spielberg, explosion, Lebanon. This is so bad. Oh Balloon my God. boy. No, okay. Warren- we're going, we're going through it. We're going through it piece by piece. So, Oklahoma okay. City Bomb, Kurt Cobain, Pokemon, Tiger Woods, MySpace, MySpace. Monsanto My GMOs. We have to say, yeah, the way he says it. Monsanto GMOs. GMOs. Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, Twilight, Michael Jackson So he's just doing Jackson fucking word association dies? at this point. Michael Jackson dies. Nuclear ac- accident, Fukushima, Japan. All right, <laughs> all right. Peninsula. I, Billy Joel, when he wrote We Didn't Start the Fire, a song I despise. Like I said, woke up, he was 50 years old, and he was like, I'm time, time to write about all of the things that were in the past 50 years. What the fuck was Fallout Boy's motivation for this? Okay, but, alright. I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna do a defense Heatland's of, um... Age? Uh, I'm gonna do a You're defense of f- we didn't I mean, he the is fire. 40, right? Oh god, he's 44 years old. Pete Wentz is 44 years old. We so. Didn't Start the Fire has a general running theme of the increasing geopolitical catastrophe uh, of the latter half uh, uh, of the 20th century, where it's Vietnam and just slowly descent into uh, geopolitical chaos, punctuated by pop culture that is distracting us from that happening. So there is a theme in it. There is an order to like what he is doing. You can argue it, whether or not it was effective, 
But this is basically just like just stream of consciousness where it's it's like they wrote it on the spot. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you put a gun to my head and said, name some of the things that happened in the past like 10 years. This is what I guess I would have to come up with. Uh, yeah, and, if, and it's just it's it's such a weird combination of words. Let me go ahead and, and emphasize well, but, okay. this. Okay, Kurt Cobain didn't happen in the last ten years. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, time doesn't make sense. Listen, man. Let me go ahead. But I'm sure that our our listeners hate this. But let me go ahead and just read through verse three with you because this might be the weirdest, dumbest, like painful combination of words. Uh, verse three goes. Sandy Hook, Columbine, Sandra Bland, and Tamir Rice. Those don't even rhyme. Isis, Isis, LeBron James, Shinzo Abe blown away. <laughs> Shit, honestly, I'm on board now. I'm on board. Shinzo Abe blown away. Remember, Shinzo Abe blown away. That remember, actually remember, remember that Billy Joel had JFK blown away. Uh... So you know, the next you know the, the lines are Me- the next lines are Meghan Markle, George Floyd, Burj Khalifa, Metroid. <laughs> they rhymed Metroid with George Floyd, Dan. Uh, all right, two more things. Two more things. Uh, remember, remember that uh, Billy Joel had Rock and Roll and Cola Wars. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Fallout Boy can't take anymore. Oh man, I'm I'm scrolling down. Oh, alright, I just saw, um, I, I just saw, what else do I have to say? Yeah, that's where I was going next. So, so, Rock and, so, so, uh, Fall Out Boy Gore. has, which, okay, yeah, Keaton, Batman, Bush v. Gore, I can't take it anymore. Bush v. Gore, ob- arguably much more, uh, influential than Rock and Roll and Cola Wars. So I'll give yeah. this one, give this one to the boys, uh, and then... Of course, JFK blown away. What else do I have to say? And Dan, Dan, please tell me what Fall Out Boy has changed that lyric to. All right, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the wind up to it. So, I'm gonna do the whole paragraph. Elon Musk, Kaepernick, Texas failed electric grid. Jeff That's Bezos, very funny. Climate change. Right? Why no goes extinct? Great Pacific garbage past. Tom DeLonge and aliens. What? Mars rover <laughs> avatar. Self-diving electric cars. SSSRIs. Princess and the Queen die. No, Prince and the Queen die. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, it's Prince. It is Prince and the Queen die. Yeah. Prince and the Queen dies. World trade. Second plane. What else do I have to say? second plane what else do i have to say i mean this is the worst weirdest dumbest combination of words in the english we're done with english like yeah let's all move on time to create another another language that we've put these things together but also that's so fucking funny uh hang on i I, I have to skip to that part in the in in i i I, I, i'm going to do i'm going to do a devil's advocate on how this isn't necessarily um, Fallout Boy's fault, because it is an accurate representation of what the world has been like for the last, I guess the time frame is 40 years, 
Um, yeah, right. So for, 44 years because Pete Wentz is, is Pete Wentz is 44. So it's not their fault that since the first we didn't start the fire, the world has gotten <laughs> so much dumber and worse. That you, not... If you do have to do all the most important things that happened in the last 40 years, unfortunately, it's a combination of things that are too horrible to mention and uh, too dumb to put next to those things just just kind of the world we live in so it kind of works <laughs> so yeah like i i i love that climate change is one of them just climate change is an entry <laughs> But it should be a fucking paragraph. It's, in- it's, uh, you're right. You're right, Dan. It is not. It is not Fallout Boy's fault that 9/11 happened. Yes. Or they, is it? To the best of our knowledge, as far as we, we know. Okay. Did, I, I mean, did anybody know where Fallout Boy was when 9/11 happened? Did anybody have eyes on Fallout Boy? Oh, if we get into 9/11 conspiracy theories, that's a good way for us to slide strictly into boomerdom. Has and anyone ever seen Fallout Boy and 9/11 in the same room? I mean, they they are hiding in plain sight here. Anyway, the point I'm saying here is um we're old, uh and that a band that was popular when we were in high school just did a cover of the most boomery song possible. And this is the point where I guess I guess we are converting ourselves like we're we're old people now, and we are also sliding in our own ways into boomerdom. And coincidentally, I loved both of the episodes of the Andy Griffith Show that we're talking about today. They, I, I genuinely could not make myself watch them a second time or really take notes. I they were fine. I got you, bro. <laughs> they were fine. I had nothing. I. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to carry me. There's gonna have to be only one set of footprints uh, in the sand on this one, because because uh, I I got jack and shit. All right. Okay. Really, so <laughs> after after last season, nothing. I'm so numb to all the shit that happens in this. Like just because like after after Gomer Pyle UMSC, what do you do? Like. How do I feel anything about anything anymore? Like, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at, Marty. I mean, I'm struggling. Okay, I I feel positively about these two episodes. They're uh, good. They're good. Uh, I would say that one of them is uh, a near like perfect or a near perfect example of a sitcom episode. Uh, but let's start with the let's start with season five, episode twelve, the darling baby. Originally airs December seventh, nineteen sixty four. Directed by Howard Moore, uh, writ- written by Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum, and directed by Howard Morris, uh, who we also know as uh, Ernest E. Bass. Mm-hmm. And here is your one sentence summary from Wikipedia: The darlings choose Opie as the future husband of Charlene's baby girl, and insist that Andy sign a marriage contract. So, yeah, so this episode is about childhood betrothal. The the Darlings are the best comedic device on this show by a fucking mile. I think Just, so, too. And they're not they're, overused. No, they're, they're barely not overused. I think they're basically, like, once a season. And, I mean, they're, they bring two things, which is kick-ass music 
And also, they are just an unstoppable force that nobody can get out of the way of. As Andy says in this episode, we've asked numerous times, like, what? Andy, just tell these people no, just get rid of them. And he says in this episode that uh, Briscoe Darling doesn't accept no as part of the English language. Yeah. It's not that he doesn't take no for an answer. It's that no no might as well be yet to him. No might as well be a completely different language. It does not exist for him. Uh, which yeah, like, I'm saying this out loud, and that makes Briscoe a very dangerous person, especially with some of the, the information we learn in this episode. Oh, yeah. No, Br- we've discussed it before. Briscoe Darling, definitely a segregationist. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, a psychopath. Right, so let's, let's, an let's absolute, an unhinged lunatic. But it definitely, these people are from a world where to say no you need to be holding a gun and also firing that gun into the air as close to a person's head as possible. That's the only way that you can disagree with somebody in the world of crazed mountain lunatics. Uh, that's that's their version of, of arbitration. Mm-hmm. All right, so episode opens in a courthouse where Andy is fascinated looking at an egg in a milk bottle. Mm-hmm. It is a boiled egg that is a milk bottle, and he says, "Boy, I'm I'm flummoxed. How did you do this, Opie?" And Opie reveals that he's got like a book of like scientific magic tricks, it, like the like heating up an egg in a uh, heating up a bottle so that an egg will slide into it. Uh, which I always heard you threw a match in the bottle first, but same same idea of atmospheric pressure. Also cool. Um, yeah, and. He does the, like, rubber wishbone trick. Like, he soaked a wishbone in vinegar, which is a new one on me. So, basically, Opie has a book of, like, s- weird, cool tricks you can do with science. Which is a great thing for a ten-year-old boy to have. Like, I fucking loved having one of were, those. They were cool as hell, right? Uh, you know, Especially if you could get one of those, like, Klutz Press books that came with, like, a package. That mm-hmm. had, like, little toys and things that you could use with it. They were so good. Such a good thing. Did you get one that taught you how to melt pennies? What? No! Oh, yeah. No, I learned how to melt penny. I mean, you just melt a penny. You just put it in a spoon, and then you hold it over a lighter, like you're doing heroin. Um, and, uh, but it was sick the first time, and then it rapidly became annoying to everybody around me, as my house was just littered with melted pennies. Uh, I do remember Klutz Press putting out a book. It was called, like, The Explorer Book, and they made it with the Exploratorium in San Francisco. And it's a real fun book about, like, geography and how maps work. And there's, like, a little, like, I think there was, like, a little uh, clear or, like, reflective one that looked like a mirror. And, like, you're sitting through this, and then halfway through the book, you open it up, and there's a bag of rice. Mm-hmm. There's just a bag of rice in this book. Uncooked rice that came with this book. And it basically, like, explains the caloric value of this rice. And it was just like, in these parts of the world, this caloric value is all that anyone will eat in a day or a week. <laughs> and, then it just, and then it goes on to tell you, aren't mountains cool? <laughs> <laughs> I remember being nine years old and just flipping through it and just be like, oh, you've just introduced me to the concept of human hunger. Yeah, of, of societal hunger. All right, cool. Is it like? Isn't it neat how how little a person can eat before they die? <laughs> is it? That's crazy, right? Oh, absolutely. We've tested it extensively. We have the data in great number. 
I mean, they wanted me to go. They wanted me to go and cook this rice and eat it, and have, and that was all I would eat for the day, so that I would also experience hunger. A very yeah. weird concept for the book to do, but also, I, I'm not how how will I cook this rice? I am a child. Yeah, and, and that's a hard sell for me to go to my mom and be like, Mom, will you cook this rice so that I un- ex- understand and empathize with the hunger that children in in deepest Africa also feel? No. Okay. <laughs> Mother, will sense. you please cook me this rice and then deny me food for the remainder of the day as I become increasingly belligerent? <laughs> it's for a science experiment. <laughs> that was a thing they fucking did. Anyway, Opie uh, has got a science project going on. He's having fun with science. Good for him. Uh, yeah. Andy walks out of the jailhouse and he sees Barney asleep on a bench, does a little teasing of Barney. Barney's like, I'm not asleep, whatever. And then the darlings come in and I am just as excited as Andy is. Cause I'm like, woohoo, something's going to happen on the show. Yeah. They come in. The darlings are in the back of the truck playing music, uh, as they roll in and they're like, Oh, Charlene's got a baby. So it's been at least nine months since we've seen Charlene. Uh, so, they pop in. Uh, Dud Walsh is nowhere to be seen. He's out hunting squirrels or possums or something. Uh, with since they have an extra mouth to feed. Also, I don't even know who was playing Dud Walsh at that point. Uh, they Dud- they really fucked up by recasting him with Gilligan. Right, Gilligan's now Island can't had started. Afford their Dud Walsh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but they've got a baby, and the baby's name is Andalina. They named the baby Andalina because they named it after Opie. I'm sorry, but they named it after Andy. Keep yeah. that blooper in. They named yeah. the they, they named the uh, the the baby after Andy. They named him Andalina, which I, sounds like the beginning of like a dirty joke that your dad tells. You know, I uh, anyway. They named the the child Andy after Andy, uh, and they are looking for a. Uh, a person, a youngster to betroth Adelina to. They are looking for someone to basically take the dowry and marry her when she gets of age. Which, by the way, remember, that's what they did with Charlene. Charlene mm. was introduced as being betrothed to Dud Walsh. Uh, so they had been apparently betrothed since they were children. Barney says in this episode that he uh, he's 35 and he's just now got a girlfriend, but Three, you know, children are getting married. Also, bullshit. Not thirty-five. Uh, yeah, ultra reliable. If he's thirty-five. I'm nineteen. Ultra reliable. Mayberry Wiki uh, says that they are at least thirty-seven or thirty-eight, based on when they graduated high school. Uh, not important. It's fun, fun little bit where like everybody gets excited about the baby. Uh, baby holds on to Andy's finger. Barney's like, "Will the baby hold on to my finger?" And the baby gives him the finger, basically. Uh, yeah. So there's a fun little gag here where Barney wants to play with a baby and the baby is not having any of it. Baby genuinely uh, hurts his feelings. Yeah. Like, genuinely upset by it. I mean, I don't know. You, you ever get rejected by a baby? It hurts. <laughs> I, every joke I can make about getting rejected by a baby <laughs> is not one I'm comfortable making. So, <laughs> Yeah. I, I I did recently like have a, you know, a friend handed me her baby and was like here Marty you hold this baby for a little bit and I was holding it and uh, it baby got a little fussy and I was like oh I think the baby wants to go back to mom and she looked at me and said no the baby's fine you want the baby to go back to mom and I was like correct uh, yes um usually 
I want the baby to not be in my arms. Like, the only thing I feel uh, upon touching a baby is stress uh, and anxiety. Do you know how often I drop things? I drop Mm. things all the time. Constantly. Yeah, I'm very clumsy. These these fingers do not grasp around stuff very well. Like no, so, sometimes we're, we're sometimes they just decide, nah, I don't want to hold this anymore, and I have no control over that. Yeah, I I do you want do you know how many bottles I've broken over the course of my life? Just they were in my hand, and then my hand decided, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not feeling this. I'm not really enjoying it. And then just it was glass on the ground. That was but with a baby. Breaking Mayberry. Don't give us your babies. Do not give us your babies. Don't give us like, your babies. Yeah. We're <laughs> we're going on record by saying, stop handing us babies, you goddamn psychopaths. We're just trying to go about our days. <laughs> I'm just walking down the street and so many people are like, here, hold my baby. And I go, hold no! this fucking baby. Hold this baby. <laughs> no. You stop I, and you hold this baby. I've got a bus to catch. <laughs> You you take the baby with you. This baby is yours now. Is that how adoption works? Yes, they just hand you a baby. That's adoption workers just roam the streets holding babies, and if you make eye contact with them, they just dart towards you and like hand you the baby, and then they're gone. And that's just your kid now. It has like a little name tag on it that says like, "Hi, my name is Kyle." Oh wait a minute! So every time I'm like wandering around and I see those people in vests that have clipboards and they're like, ra- like asking people stuff on the street, and I you know, run across the street to avoid them, are they handing out babies? They're handing out babies. Oh okay, you... all right. I, I'm it's glad. Like, um... I'm glad that I don't make eye contact. Yeah, you you sign up for that. You get uh, one week in the mail. You get a baby and a subscription to GQ. Oh oh yeah. Well, a subscription to GQ is a pretty good deal. Yeah, they they started bundling them. It was a huge boon for the industry. We're talking about babies pretty much the same way that uh, Briscoe and Don Knotts and everybody talks about getting married. Because there's a huge conversation about the dowry that a child will get if they marry uh, Andalina. Uh, and Which I will say, pretty sick dowry. Sounded like a pretty sweet deal. They get two acres I, on the side of a mountain. A little, you know, an with eight- a boulder. With a couple of boulders and an eight by ten, like that, you just got to put a roof on. I, I mean, sounds like a pretty good deal. I mean, yeah, like I think, I, again, by fucking nineteen sixty standards, when they were handing out houses for like a buck twenty five, don't land. I don't need a cow. But yeah, you came to me with that deal and be like, hey, marry your kid and I'll give you a partially finished house. I'd be like, oh, you might have to take one for the team, Caleb. Oh, Oh, man, this is sounding pretty good. And a cow? I forgot the cow. And a cow! You get a cow! A whole ass cow! And they're like, it's a pretty sick cow. Be like, like, Caleb, you can just, like, change your name and go into witness protection in your 30s. Just... We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I want to I want a house where I just have to build a roof. Yeah, no, I, I we're gonna spend. You know how most kids go through high school. You're gonna spend that time learning how to fake your death. That's yes. that's that's how we're doing this. So yeah, so they're looking for a a young man to put into betrothal to uh, Andalina, uh, and Andy is like, well. Good thing there's no young men. Good thing there's no boy children around here. 
Yeah. They uh they they ask him to help them out, and Andy's like, "Yeah, okay, buddy, I'll I'll help you out. Cool. Now please get out of my office." They go about a hard day of harassing children on the street, I guess. Yes. So Andy <laughs> does get some comeuppance here for his. Uh, I mean, again, he can't really control anything that Briscoe Darling does because Briscoe Darling doesn't understand him or what his power is. Society, but basically. Basically. Like, Briscoe is like, so we're going to go out there and we're going to kind of be like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Just roam around, try to ensnare a young boy into a lifetime of matrimony. Basically abduction. Um, so, yeah, do you want to help? And Andy's like, I'm definitely not going to interfere in any way. Um, so, yeah, so the following events are really of Andy's doing. So the uh, the darlings come by later, come by the Taylor household later in the afternoon, show off the baby. Aunt B shows up. This is this moment where, uh, like, Andy says, "Oh, everybody, you remember my Aunt B?" And Briscoe says, "I sure do. I kidnapped her once." He doesn't actually say this. <laughs> he does not say this. He just says, "Well, sure, I do." And Aunt B's like, "Oh, that's my past kidnapper." Oh well, nope, that doesn't happen either. All Aunt B I- does is come in. Say, oh, look, a baby. Can I take your baby to a complete stranger's house who wants to what look at f- a baby? What the fuck was that? He, She was like, oh, can I show this baby to Jessica? Jessica loves babies. And they're like, go for it. And as she was walking out of the room, I was like, wait, who the fuck is Jessica? Is she taking her off the property? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. She, which, she, she said they were going to, like, Mrs. Jones's house. We're going to Mrs. Jones. And that's a wrap on Francis Bavier, everybody. That's all Aunt B does in this in this episode. Which, I, how... Honestly... No, no, she shows up to make sandwiches later. Um, how... I, it would be completely... If you showed me that, that thing, I would immediately say, she stole that baby after She's that. She's stealing like, that If you baby. didn't show me anything before or after that scene, I'd be like... Ampy took that baby to Connecticut. Like, oh, yeah. she just got on a bus with that baby. Like, I, I, and well within her rights. Oh, you kidnapped me? I'll show you how it fucking feels. Is there a principal member of this cast that has not been kidnapped by the Darlings or a Darlings associate? Andy. I think now that they grabbed Aunt Opie, I think it's all of them. So, no, they grabbed, they kidnapped, I think they kidnapped Andy at, like, gunpoint and tried to make him do a marriage. That's true. That's true. I uh, think they've abducted like everybody. They they have they have a a worse track record than Ernest T. So they kind of do. They're sort of more of a menace. Uh, but but they're a fun menace, and they play a little song together. Right. Uh, the darlings always show up, and then it's always a musical episode. This song fucking rules. Oh my this god, is, it's so good! This is the best song that they have done on on any of these. It's called There Was a Time. I went ahead and found like every version of it I could find. It's so fucking good at one point in time. And I, I like to believe that this was not scripted. Andy just stops playing guitar and just watches for a little bit. Like, as they, as the darlings sing and uh, the actress who plays uh, Charlene so is singing. What's yeah. the band that are the, the silent... Dillers. The, the Dillard Boys. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Are wait? Is that the name of the band? The the name of the band is. We've done this. The name of the band is the Dillards. They played the right. Darling Boys. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, they fucking rule. This. Um. 
they've they've appeared numerous times. I would say that they are you know their past appearances have been fine to good. This is the first time I was like, holy shit, this song rules. Um, and the whole scene of them uh singing together is great. I don't have much more to say about it. Opie shows up. <laughs> you have a- Wait, but before we move on, can I submit some headcanon about the Darling Boys? Sure. So the perpetually mute, slack-jawed Darling Boys that are great at music whenever they get a chance to play. Um, I'm going to submit to the headcanon that they're really high all the time. Oh, uh, for sure. I like that idea. And that, yeah, yeah. They're just just mega stoked. Oh, man. You could buy, you could grow so much pot out in those woods. Yes, exactly. You, could, you, you know, know you, could, you could do a lot if you inherit, if you got two acres on a hillside in a dowry. They don't know that Nixon has criminalized it, and even if they did, they would not respect it. They don't respect any government that isn't the Confederacy. So there's a solid chance that they're growing weed up there. That's true. That's true. Also, yeah. historically inaccurate, but that's okay. Let's go. It's yeah, fine. let's go with it. <laughs> uh, Opie walks into the room and basically like, hello, it's me, a small, a young boy. Nobody was looking for a young boy for any reason for any, were you, okay, I'm going to go to bed now. Then the Briscoes, the darlings are like, oh, hold your horses. Which, as soon as Opie walked in, it is a subtle performance change from Andy Griffith. Because he doesn't go, oh, fuck. But his posture, like, stiffens a little bit. And he's behaving very "Mm." casually. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely an element of like, oh, fuck. Yeah, Andy, why not? Yeah, Opie, uh, just let's just act very normal. Love you too, bud. Why don't you just go to bed? Like, don't run or anything. Like, just, but just briskly, briskly walk upstairs and go to bed he, and then don't make any fucking noise. He acts as like, if he has seen a bear. <laughs> yes, it is like, it is sort of like a, their vision is based off of movement thing of like, I, I am I am on the trail. I have seen a bear, but I don't want to tell everybody. I don't want to tell my kids to freak him out. So I'm just like, hey, kids, we're just going to back away now. Just keep walking yeah. away. Just back yeah. off. Let's <laughs> all go into our tents and away from the coolers. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's actually a great performance because it is, like, he doesn't make any actual changes to anything he does. He's just a little stiffer for the remainder of the scene as Opie is like, all right, this, the vibe down here is really weird. I'm going to bounce. Yeah. Um, so the, the darlings make a plan. They have decided, well, we're, we're going to, uh, you, you got to sign this thing. They, they had him a contract. Let's sign they, this they thing and have our children in, betrothed. They start interrogating Andy about Opie. They're like, so what's his deal? He, uh, he healthy. He got all his original teeth. Uh, he, uh, you know, wh- wh- how tall is your kid? Is he strong? And Andy, I thought that Andy, they were going to do a thing of like Andy not picking up on it or Andy playing coy. But I do like that what they did was Andy just going like, no, 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 do not. No, like a dog that pissed on a carpet. Like, do n- no, you stop that, Briscoe, darling. You cut it out. I do not consent to this. Like, doesn't play the game for a second. Hey, speaking of people non con- not consenting, uh, we learn in this episode that Briscoe Darling's uh, former wife, uh, the Darling's children's mom, was 17 when he was 30. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. 
So you're kind. You might. We might be seeing a pattern in why. Uh, in why they do the uh, the baby marrying. Yeah. Um, sort of establishing a uh, a sense of uh, property. And he I, was I her second say. husband. That Which, is also mentioned. Oh God. Oh. Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. That just. I think I have to like stop for a sec. Yeah, uh, uh, I I just, just I just want to say as much as it sounds like Dan and I totally approve and love and uh, Brisco Darling, as much as it sounds like we are Brisco heads, just want to point point out we do not condone the actions of Brisco Darling. Brisco <laughs> Darling is a monster. Brisco Darling Brisco is a monster. Brisco Darling is maybe in the running for the worst person on this show. Oh, for <laughs> he's sure. up there. I love him. Every time he's on the show is pr- the funniest it is of that entire season. But also like both in terms of things that he actually does on the show and in terms of things that you would assume he's doing off screen. He is a horrible person, but not like in the Ernest T. Bass way of being a um, mythological nightmare goblin. Like, Ernest T. Bass is a guy who is alive now, uh, like, 400 miles south of me, and is currently burning a cross on someone's lawn. Yeah, no, like Briscoe Darling is a very realistic uh, kind of psychopath. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, Andy persuades him to get out of his fucking house for a little bit, and they leave uh, They leave him with the contract, the, the patrol contract. Next day at the jail, uh, Barney tells a very long story of a time that a that a dude tried to set him up with his ugly daughter. A super mean spirited story. It's a very mean story about a time when uh, a man like said, "Hey, Barney Fife, I come. I like the cut of your jib. Come marry my daughter and have a stake in my company and drive a company car." And Barney was like, "All right, I'll hear you out. I'll hear you out about a company car. Oh, she's ugly. Yeah." And and the story of him uh, getting out of marrying her by just icing this dude and not returning his calls. Just ghosts him. And then it ends with the punchline of, but then after that, she went to one of those schools where they clear out your skin and straighten up your posture. And Andy was like, so she got hot after that. And he was like, nah, she's still ugly and single and alone. Like, really mean. Like, he says all of that. I'd be like, no, no, she's an ugly, lonely spinster. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, basically keeping tabs on this woman to make sure she's unhappy. Just, like, like does a quick drive-by of her house and be like, Still no husband. Fuck yeah! <laughs> then just does a little donut in her lawn and fucks off. I, 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 I laughed. Was not, was not wronged by this woman in any way. No reason for this ill will. This, this woman only had had the, the audacity to be homely in Barney Fife's presence. Yes. Uh, that said, I laughed at this. I, I mean, it was just so out of nowhere and it went on. And I, I thought it was funny. It was mean. It's also funny. Uh, yeah. And then Opie walks in wearing a brand new tux. A brand new little suit. Roddy Howard looking so cute in his brand new little suit. It's adorable. And uh, Andy's like, the fuck? Did did they buy you a... They grabbed you off the street and bought you a suit. They they did measurements. Did they get measurements? Who did the measuring? (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. This is fucking like death like just just full red alert on at, this now. At, at this point, you have you are within your right to kill every darling. Yes! You can you kill You kind them. of have to. <laughs> and they really they spoiler, they get out of it with a con, but it is a real Hail Mary con. I truly do not see any way out of this, but but to shoot your way out of it. I think, I mean, uh, you, you uh, got, you, I, I do not condone gun violence as a solution to interpersonal problems. I, I think your back's kind of up against the wall when you got the darlings on your hand. I think you got to go blasting. Obvious episode title here, Kill Your Darlings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Obviously, obviously, right? Yeah, you just got it, got it. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he has much choice because they will never stop. They're like the fucking Terminator. They will not stop until your son is married to a baby. And <laughs> they will chase you to the ends of the earth. Oh, Andy could, like, pack Obi in a car drive to brazil change their names go into hiding and like one day briscoe john would be like well sheriff this was a good place to do a honeymoon and and then and then you would be back at it you have to kill them he again they managed skin of their teeth to con their way out of this if that hadn't worked you have to kill Briscoe Darling, and even then, I'm not sure if it would work. I don't think Briscoe Darling can be killed by conventional methods, right? I think you need, yeah. like, silver bullets or something. Uh, you gotta, like, you gotta bury him, uh, like, underground and then pour cement over it. And even then, a guy that looks exactly like him with a different mustache would be like, I'm his brother, Trisco Darling, and I'm gonna make your son marry a different baby. <laughs> like... There's a moment in this where, like, Opie is holding the baby in his little suit, and he just says, Ron Howard delivers this line so wonderful, Ah, Dad, I don't want to marry her! Yeah! Like, 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 It's a pretty great delivery. Like, they're making him go to church. (laughs) Yeah. I, it is, uh, I mean, it is simultaneously such a funny and also deeply horrifying image of Ron Howard, a 10-year-old boy, holding a newborn baby, and then somebody going, they're getting married. And just, like, just, like, like freeze that image. <laughs> and it is, like, deeply evocative of something horrible about the world. Uh, so, back at the Taylor household, the, the darlings have, like, let themselves into his house and are now throwing an engagement party. We're all playing music yeah. together. Uh... Barney gets hammered on moonshine. There's a pretty funny moment where uh, he sits down with a jug and Andy, who is just saying, go upstairs, get out of here. This is much. And they just stopped and yells at Barney. You're on duty. Yeah. And Barney, Barney says, he told me it's blueberry uh, cider or something like yeah, that. Something like mulberry Doesn't squeezes. believe it. Yeah. yeah. And then he just gets fucking hammered and, uh, so we we do get so a drunk... these people fucking drink even though it's a dry county. We we do they... we do get a drunk Barney bit. And I like this drunk Barney bit. He Don Knotts is very funny in this. Uh, Don Knotts tries to stop the wedding. Of course, he gets in the way and says, "No, what he's gonna marry this child away? I've known this child since he was a baby. He's like my own son. If you gotta marry this child, you gotta go through me." And then Briscoe Darling stands up and then 
Barney says, okay, then, and just sits down. Funny. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Um, the way they get out of this is uh, Andy whispers something to uh, to Opie. Opie goes up and with his little science book, and he comes back, and they sign the contract. And, and, and Barney goes, no, why would you do that? But then, oh, I'm sorry. Prior to that, uh, Andy makes up a bullshit incantation, which is just like, rock'em, sock'em, sock'em, sock'em. Like, yeah. he, do- he doesn't even try. And uh, knowing, of course, that the Darlings are crazy superstitious and worried about any kind of witchcraft or, or hoodoo or whatnot. Uh, and then the ink that, uh, that Opie signs with disappears. Their signatures fade away because he signed with Invisible Ink, which, by the way, I looked it up. And unless he also had a Klutz Press book that came with like a, a bunch of things, there's no fucking way that Opie could make invisible ink that disappears that way uh, with just household items. You have to have lab chemicals for this. But I'm fine. I don't care. Whatever. It's fine. Wait. Okay. Most I'm of remembering the, something. Most of the time when you do... you make invisible ink, and I, I'm pretty sure it's not true. Most but... of the time when you do invisible ink, it's that you write something on a paper and it's invisible, and then there's a, diff- a way that you... Uh, like heat up the paper or something, and then the the letters appear. The I words recall... disappearing requires you to have like lab chemicals. So this is something that I believe. I think I heard it somewhere, and I believed it. And I'm only now realizing it's probably not true. But I remember it being that you can create disappearing ink by taking normal ink and mixing it with pee, and. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for for bringing that up because while researching this, I did come across that, uh, and it did uh, it just like had a little moment there that said in 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 an article that said uh, that invisible ink can be made using human bodily fluids, and then just moved on. Yeah, it's just the article just kept going from there to talk about like lemon juice. So yes, it is entire. <laughs> I guess that is possible. It is possible that 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 Opie they, did they run up provide... and just pee in an, in an inkwell real quick, and he was signing they... that, that contract with pee. I guess that also possibly could have happened. They didn't provide clear instructions, so I just keep jacking <laughs> off into inkwells, and it's not fucking working. And now it's the only way I can get off. Yes. Just extremely thick ink. So yes, he signs the letter with with P. That that's canon now. Uh he's, yeah. he signs it with P. The P disappears. It smells like asparagus. <laughs> and then the darlings he, are like, Andy "We got to get out of here. This is weird." <laughs> Andy just like midway through all of this is like he just like whispers to Opie, like, listen, I need you to go piss in some ink real fast. Don't ask questions. Just do it. We got one shot at this. <laughs> like, and then be like, hey, back to the party. Uh, they play another song here called Ebo Walker, which I also liked. Uh, it sounds like a mountain goat song. It sounds like a They Might Be Giant song that turns into a mountain goat song partway through. Uh, and I fucking dug it. Um and then they kind of uh, wrap it up by by Briscoe saying, well, you know, we don't want to marry any witch folk, but we can still make nice and all. There's some nice witches and stuff out in the woods that sometimes we even go to church with. And I said, I'm not going to unpack any of it. I, yeah. I don't want to make any sense of that. But sure, 
They play a nice little song together, uh, and the baby finally holds on to Barney's finger. And it's sweet, and it's funny. Honestly, I mean, look, we've been poking holes at this or whatever, but it's just too stupid for me to get mad at. Like, overall, I, I like this. I, I'm, I'm... I feel like we should hold it a little bit accountable for the child brides. You know, like... I thought that, too, at the beginning. I thought that, too, at the beginning. Like, all right, I'm going to get nice and mad about the child betrothal. But it's just so, like... The Darlings are also written like a child's view of the universe. It's just so simplistic and so stupid that I can't... I I don't even have it in me to, like, like performatively get angry about it. Like, it's just... Yeah, I I don't think... It's too dumb. Nobody walked away from this thinking that'd be like, well, I wasn't on, I wasn't on board with child brides before, but that Andy Griffith episode really sold me. It's not really portraying it in a particularly positive light. Um, it's just there. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's fine. It's, uh, yeah. I, I, I would not say that this episode is pro child bride. That's that. I mean, with this, with this show, you you you'd think we didn't wouldn't need to specify that, but we do. Yeah, no, just, I just had to do a little bit of math on there. Be like, is there any sort of endorsement of 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 child briden? So, uh, is it upsettingly neutral on the subject of child brides? Not I, they, they sidestep it a little bit. I'm gonna say they, they they could come down harder on the idea of child brides. That is true. They could. Be they kind of do a little bit of different strokes for different folks with the subject of child brides, um, which uh, I would say probably be a bit more definitive in your condemnation of it. Um, be in this circumstance a little less open-minded, Andy Griffith show. But other than that, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I look, can't really give him too much of a hard time. We're we're already partway through, so let's just say ratings. You know, we're already mostly yeah. that's what we're talking about. Ratings, Andy Meter. How good is this an episode of television? I'm gonna give it like an eight. I'm gonna say uh, all of this. All of this is the song. Nine. It's a nine. Yeah. Every like, I could give. I could barely give a shit about everything else that happened in that episode. That song rules so hard that I just had to talk myself out of a 10. That song <laughs> kicks. I would, we were watching that and Brianna just said like, I wouldn't mind if the rest of the episode was just them playing music. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it would have been, it would have been great. Uh, and I, I also gotta say, I did like, I, like I said, I liked Evo Walker too. I like that song as well. Yeah. Um, so Barney meter, did not did not condemn the child bride, but again, no nobody nobody walked out of this like thinking child bride is okay, and that's what the Barney meter is really supposed to be is psychic damage, not just we saw a gross thing on TV. So two no two or three, uh, mainly for the like seventeen year old thirty year old marriage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a, a three, and that's a two for the comments, and then one Vietnam point. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. So three. Uh, next episode, let's do this one. Young men were dying in a foreign country. We, we nobody said shit. We all know. We're all, we're all aware. We know, man. We know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, next episode, uh, season five, episode thirteen. Andy and Helen have their day airs December 14th, 1964, written by Bill Idelson and Sam Bobrick, directed again by Howard Morris. 
Andy and Helen try to have a nice private picnic, but Barney keeps interrupting them. Uh, so I'll say it up front. I, uh, this is another one. I really like this episode with one glaring, like large exception that upon, upon, uh, what review I had to fast forward through it. Um, so this episode starts off with absolute co- like confirmation that Barney Fife is in fact Netflix and chilling with Juanita Beasley. The absolute confirmation. Andy is aware and he is helping it happen. <laughs> Andy is aware. He does not approve, but he is not saying shit. That is made very clear. Barney tells the story of a date. Andy says, you went out with Thelma Lou, huh? Uh, specifically, a date in which he fucked. Yeah. And Andy was like, you went out with Thelma Lou? And he was like, no, I went out to, with Juanita Beasley. To which Andy goes, oh, man, are you fucking serious? And you went out to the nice Italian restaurant. You know people are going to see you, right? Yes, exactly. Andy says, next time, don't take her to the Italian restaurant where everybody goes, man. And And he does give him a look of like, Ugh, you're fucking gross. Like, he's not like, hey, yeah, cheat on your girlfriend. He's like, are you fucking seriously cheating on your girlfriend? You fucking suck. Nah, um, dude, I, I I, think you're reading too much into it. I think, I think, I'm, I think at most you get a disapproving gesture of, hmm, you really shouldn't do that. But, oh, well, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. So right, right out the gate on this episode, hard confirmation. Uh, they are, they are dating. Like he is cheating on Thelma Lou, and he did say in the last episode, "I am keeping steady company," meaning we are going steady. Last episode, he said, "I'm 35 and I'm just now keeping steady company." So we've confirmed a million times they are together. He did say, "I love you." And I, Let's move the fuck Which, on. Okay. Let's move on. No, I don't no, want to okay. do this anymore. But there's always been... You texted me all fucking caps that there That's is true, this I did. level of confirmation. And the thing is, it is slowly... But basically, beforehand, you could kind of say, like, Alright, well, the Andy Griffith Show kind of has a very squishy relationship to the concept of continuity. So you can kind of say... That the episodes in which he is with Thelma Lou are in a different fucking timeline than the ones where he's banging Juanita Beasley. Mm. Like, or basically, like, this episode he's with Juanita Beasley, so Thelma Lou doesn't exist. No. Because they would do shit like that all the time. And then gradually, these two things have moved closer and closer together until, like, the milestone was like, Oh, they mentioned Juanita and Thelma Lou within two episodes of each other. That's kind of nuts. And then it was like... Oh shit, they mentioned Juanita in a Thelma Lou episode. That's fucking weird. And finally, we have reached the the fucking the the point, the convergence of they mentioned Thelma Lou and Juanita Beasley in the same sentence. In the same conversation, and, yeah, yeah. And, and explicitly said Barney is cheating on his girlfriend. So it's fucking crazy. And then just moved on. Then just moved this is just the opening joke. It's nuts it it's it's i mean we've hit the nail on the head so many times but fuck it i'm gonna reiterate it never seen a show before where a main character is routinely cheating on his sympathetic uh main character partner and it's fine fine it's it's not it's not really approved of or disapproved of it's just kind of it is what it is and we don't really care 
Like, it's insane. Which, I mean, I think is this, if Mad Men is any indication, this was some pretty normal shit back then. Uh, but yeah, so this is just the opening gag. It doesn't even come in for the rest of the episode. The rest of the episode uh, is Aunt Helen comes in, and I. this is the first time we've seen Helen for, what, like 12 episodes? Is this the first time we've seen, the last time we saw Helen was in episode 7. Uh, and now it is episode 13, so that is a long time. And the show seems aware of this, because they point out, like, oh, you and I are so busy, like, we have we have such busy lives, we never get to see each other. And they start listing off all the things they have to do, and they, they can't see each other. Like, choir practice, and um, choir practice, and uh, grading papers, and bowling and such. And you start to get the feeling that these two don't actually want to see each other. Because when Barney shows up and he says, wait a minute, I've got a great idea. I'm going to do something really helpful to you. Uh, Saturday, you guys go see each other. I'm going to take care of everything. I'll cover Andy's shift at work. I'll do all the stuff you need to do. And then they start making up reasons like, well, we can't see each other because I've got a TV repair person coming. And I wanted to see Aunt, or I have to take Aunt B to... Uh, shopping, and I have to take Opie to the movies, and uh, and Helen says, and I have to drop off some books at the hospital, and I have to do laundry, and like once you get to laundry, once you get to like household chores, you guys don't want to see each other, right? You, right, I, I have two things. One, um, the first, there, this is, I we have been noticing more and more that there does seem to be more genuine, like warmth and human connection between the actors Andy Griffith and the lady who plays Helen Crump. They do seem to actually have some sort of chemistry now. Uh, uh, Anita Coruscant is her name. Anita Coruscant, which I should hope so because they were having an affair. They were sleeping together. So there does seem to finally be some fucking chemistry. But of what you're saying, at the beginning of this episode, I was kind of like well, it it sucks. It seems like they do genuinely like each other as people, but they should probably break up. They're not working as a couple. Yeah. And then, it, but at the end of this episode, I was like, I mean, they you have to break up. You cannot be in a relationship. This is fundamentally impossible through no fault of your own at this point. I, it's just like, it's just something you got to do as adults. I have broken up with people because our schedule was like fundamentally incompatible. Like, mm-hmm. I. It's happened. Don't don't start dating a girl when she's in grad school. Like that's not going to work for you. You're yeah. It just becomes a bummer. Yeah. So, uh, I I get it. I get it. I've had to call stuff off like this, but man, it's just they they are not really trying that hard. But anyway, Barney says I'm going to take care of everything. You guys don't worry, and they they agree to it, and they agree to it. Uh, Helen walks out and she says, well, I guess I better get started grading these papers. Like these 12 one page papers written by 10 year olds won't grade themselves. Like how long can it really take her to do her job? I know I'm being really shitty to teachers right now, but there's like 12 kids. There's yeah. And there's no standards for how well she does her job. No, by, by all accounts, she's very bad at her job. Uh, she she could just write A on on every single paper and nobody would say shit. Uh, and then they close the door and Barney gets this look on his face, this big old shitty and grin. And it's like, well, hey, Andy. Hey, so I did something really nice for you. You going to do something really nice for me now? 
And I was like, oh, he's going to do some shit about Juanita Beasley. He's going to make Andy try to cover cover up the, his tracks. No. All he says is, make me your best man. And I let out an audible, aw. I did not. I did not let out an audible, aw. I did not feel, I felt nothing with that. I thought it was sweet. I was like, aw, buddy. All right. And he starts teasing him. All right. So then we get to the part that I fucking fast forwarded over. Because this episode is pretty much the real premiere of Goober. And there is so much goober dan do you remember the first time we saw goober and you and i said there's got to be more to this guy there's got to be more to this guy than just like being dumb and annoying and saying yo instead of yes and doing a bad Cary grant impression a joke that you that makes no sense and has aged horribly we said there's got to be more to this guy that was just the intro there is not more to this guy there they, I cannot believe they come back to the Cary Grant impression joke where he says, Judy, 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 which, all right, since that, I've watched Bringing Up Baby. I've heard uh, Cary Grant say Judy. It's hilarious. He's really good at saying that name. Like, it, it does not make this joke any better. Every once in a while, this podcast just like turns into the Cary Grant fan cast because we both really love <sighs> Cary Grant. I fucking, fucking love rules. him so much. We have, we actually have like Cary Grant movie nights where we just go through Cary Grant's fucking filmography because that man's a goddamn he's so, treasure. He's so good. He's so good. Literally, just to do a quick, have you seen Bringing Up Baby? I've not seen Bringing Up Baby. So, uh, it's Cary Grant meets a rich lady. Uh, they get into a series of escalating antics, which ultimately, co- uh, ultimately ends with them having to take care of a fucking leopard together, which does involve Cary Grant and Lauren McCall being in the room with a fucking, like, a fucking snow leopard. Oh, wait a minute. I have seen this movie. Yes. (laughs) Actually dangerous. And I will say, to the the point of, um, uh, the point of, of this joke is, Cary Grant has to repeatedly say Judy because that's uh, Lauren Bacall's name. And Cary Grant somehow makes just saying the name Judy fucking hilarious. Wait, is like, is that where the Judy, Judy, Judy thing comes from? Cause yeah. Because I, 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 I've told this story on the show before. It was like, it was like a... I think it's... It, it, it was, it, Judy! It, it, was, it was like a Michael Caine thing where a comedian who was doing a... A comedian was doing an, a, a, a Cary Grant impression... And Judy Garland walked in, and the comedian did the Judy, Judy, Judy thing oh. at her. And uh, do in the Cary Grant voice, which maybe he was doing bringing up Baby, and he was saying Judy because there's Judy and also Judy. That's what I assume, because in, in bringing up Baby, he just says Judy 400 fucking times it's like, as Lauren Bacall ruins his life. Okay, okay, so there, I think there's two things going on here. And also, apparently, like by 1964, that joke would have been well played out. It's sort of like how, yeah. uh, and anytime anybody does a Michael Caine impression, they say, you know, not a lot of people know that. And Michael Caine has never actually said that. Like, Yeah. Um, so, anyway, none of this makes fucking goober pile doing the judy 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 thing funny or interesting but he does it uh there's oh, a there's, he's there's a whole just, he is just gomer pile without any fucking charisma 
to speak of. Oh, he's he's, he's Gomer Pot. He has single white female his way into his cousin's life. Like at this point, yes. Like because now apparently he lives in Wally's filling station. He works at Wally's. Does he live in the little shotgun shack in the background? I don't know. But he's now taken uh, Gomer's job at the filling station, because uh, he says that he's driving the truck around because his boss Wally won't let anyone touch his personal car. Uh, so, and he plays pretty much the same role that Gomer did, which is chauffeur. Like we're gonna ask Goober to drive us around in his truck, but then we're gonna talk shit about how ugly and beat up his truck is the thing is right jim neighbors playing gomer and we went back and forth on how we felt about gomer and then we eventually walked out of this pretty pro gomer simply because like jim neighbors performance was so good and he made gomer so childlike like that was endearing about him and so it it, it made gomer's like dumbness didn't even seem dumb it just seemed like unaware uh, yeah, Goober is played like a guy. Like he plays him with a regular voice, just like a regular guy, just like a guy who should know things but doesn't, and that's not funny or interesting. It sucks. Yeah, uh, it, it's just like hanging out with a fucking dog. Like yeah, he, they have him. They have him do all the stuff that they would like have fucking gomer do like they just give him all the same lines all the same material but the guy isn't jim fucking neighbors who is a comedic genius <laughs> so he so it sucks because then like, if you take away a brilliant performance gomer pile is just a, an offensive dumb character yeah like it's it it's nothing the writing on gomer pile has never been good it's never been the strength it's always been, okay, well, this is a dumb fucking joke, but let's look at what fucking Jim Neighbors is doing with his face to actually make it have, like, layers and depths. And, uh, this is just some fucking dude! Who is this guy? Just some guy. Who is this prick? It's just some guy who is just annoying. He's just annoying to be around. And, uh, we're not even gonna look up his fucking name. I am making that promise for the remainder of this podcast, we will never learn this man's name because he is a, is nothing it's it's not happening it's, it's it's george Lindsay. it's george Lindsay. fuck you I, is he somebody is george Lindsay somebody no, and i'm gonna not, feel like a dick not really he was in he was in like cannonball run uh he did a lot of like disney voiceovers that's not a name you should know supposedly leonard nimoy said that george Lindsay was originally offered the role of spock on star trek and turned it down uh, no would have been risk. fucking terrible. Would have been awful. Would have yeah, sunk the show. Um, fuck you, George Lindsay. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you for not being Jim Neighbors. Uh, anyway. Fuck you. Anyway, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't ruin the episode. He doesn't necessarily necessarily ruin the episode. Uh, but he is a big old like black hole every time he shows up. So he's supposed to yeah. take. He's supposed to take Andy and Helen. Uh, to the lake and drive them out there and then just leave them alone. He, of course, does not leave them alone. He uh, invites himself in to eat picnics and sandwiches and things with them. Um, he, I got to get back to the Judy, Judy, Judy thing one more time because he does such a forced way of doing it. Like, because he wants to do his, his, his uh, Cary Grant impression. He says, hey, you remember the movie Picnic? Yeah, I remember that movie. You remember Cary Grant? They both say Cary Grant wasn't in Picnic. 
He wasn't. Well, speaking of Cary Grant, you ever know a guy who wants to do a bit so bad that he forces yeah. his way into it? You ever, you know how much you hate that guy? <laughs> you ever, you ever be that guy? <laughs> we be that guy. We be that guy I've regularly. Been, I've been that guy and I've felt it happening and I've known this isn't working and it's not going to pay off. But I can't, but it's happening. Just walk, it's just coming. Just walking into a room being like, man, I really hope at this party I get to do a Jimmy Stewart impression today. <laughs> yeah. I came up with a joke that is not related to anything that anybody is going to say in the next four hours. And I know that it's a bad idea to try to awkwardly force it into a conversation. And yet it's what's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> and then it's just going to be us sitting in a, in an awkward silence with that joke just floating like a turd. I came up with a great pun in the car on the way here and someone's gonna hear it, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to spend an hour not enjoying myself or anything <laughs> happening around me, just trying to do complex social engineering <laughs> to get somebody to mention <laughs> a pop culture event from six years ago. Uh, oh, God. So Goober's the worst, but he gets them to their destination, and what follows is just a series of Andy and Helen uh, attempting to have a nice little uh, picnic, and they are constantly interrupted by uh, Goober or Barney, uh, who gets in their way and is asking them like dumb questions. And Barney, Barney, like keeps interrupting. First, he says like, "Hey, Helen, you didn't give me the key, uh, so that I could let the." Uh, TV repairman in and she's like it's under the mat go the fuck away and then he shows up and is like hey uh, I was supposed to drop Opie off at this movie but I don't know if this movie is appropriate do you think this movie is appropriate and he says it's appropriate get the fuck out of here and then he comes back and says hey uh, I let the TV person in the TV repairman and he's here and he's very clearly Ernest T. Bass in a pair of glasses but he wants to tell you about the TV and they fucking take the TV away get the fuck out of here and then uh, at a different point, it starts to feel like like a fetish, like yeah, like he's trying to catch them fucking. Yeah, like he's trying to to see it, uh, or it's like a really re- weird like reverse cuckolding. Like he's getting off on the cock blocking that he knows he's doing because he knows he. You have in. had this theory before yeah. that he is sexually aroused by cock blocking. Yeah, I mean, to the point where uh, Andy and Helen. Uh, are out on the lake, and they're like, well, no one's gonna walk up on us now. And then we just hear off of the distance, Andy! And this is the hardest I have ever laughed at this show. <laughs> just this wide shot of a bunch of trees on a lakeside, and just a tiny little Don Knotts in the like center frame, waving his arms wildly, screaming Andy. It's so funny. It's the hardest I've laughed at this entire show. Uh, I... I laughed even harder the second time. Uh, and then they finally like tell him, get the fuck out, man. Go away. And then, <laughs> this is not the entire episode. There is a little twist. Andy and Helen are finally left alone. They go fishing. Andy's walking back to the car. Or back to back somewhere. I don't know where he's going. But they're walking away with uh, the fish that he just caught. And the game warden shows up. The game warden is played by a man named Colin Male, M-A-L-E. And you don't need to know Colin Male's name, but what is interesting 
is that Colin Mayall is the announcer at the beginning of every episode that says, The Andy oh. Griffith Show, starring Andy Griffith. Yeah. So he's the game warden. He That's shows nice. up and he's like, hey, everybody, how's it going? Uh, hey, do you, quick thing. Can I see your fishing license? Andy realizes that he left his wallet in his other pair of pants. Weird thing to realize after a full day. But all right. He doesn't have his license on him. And uh, this this feels so good because finally someone has authority over Andy. Uh, it is it's, such a weird situation. It's such a weird thing. Because Andy even tries to use cop logic and be like, I don't think this, you know, I don't know if it makes a difference, but uh, I am the sheriff over in Mayberry. And the game warden goes, oh, is that so? You should know the law then. Boom! Don't fuck Fuck with game wardens. Don't fuck with game wardens. They don't give a shit, dude. Yeah. Do you know what they do give a shit about? Trout. (laughs) They care the fuck about trout. They'll fuck you up over uh, over the mating habits and sanctity of trout populations. Don't you fuck with trout. A game warden doesn't give a shit what police agency you work with. Your FBI, fuck you. Don't fuck with deer. <laughs> Kick your ass. That's another good Let's episode see. title. Damn. Uh, uh, Don't fuck with deer. <laughs> they'll kick your ass. Uh, so they... they Drive him over to the uh, to the county clerk's office and set a fine, which he can't pay because he doesn't have his wallet. So uh, Andy calls back over, and then we get a wacky misunderstanding that makes sense within the context of, of the episode. Calls over to uh, to to the episode. Calls okay, over, calls over to, to, to the jail. Hold yeah. on, hold on. Yeah. The wacky misunderstanding we're doing. Listen, I know that in the context of the episode, it works for you. But it's the third you time they've done this. have to acknowledge the third time. Try the fifth. This is, this, this fell so fucking flat to me because I was like, are you fucking hitting me that they're doing the Barney thinks that Andy is getting engaged joke again, complete with the crying Aunt B. I mean, they just did that just a couple of episodes ago, right? Like. It wasn't that long ago the last time they did one. So, yes, this is yet another episode where Barney thinks that Andy is getting engaged and makes a big party deal out of it. Yes, this is like the fifth time this has happened, but this is the first time that it's worked for me because there was actual reasoning behind it. Because they've been taught, Andy or Barney had been hinting at it all day, and then Andy calls the jailhouse. Goober picks up. Why is Goober there? Why? Yes. But why is he the new deputy cop? But Goober picks up at the jailhouse and he says, oh, Barney's not here right now. And then he goes, wait a minute. You can't be Andy Taylor. You can't be Sheriff Andy. I dropped Sheriff Andy in the woods. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Barney or Andy says, I forgot my fishing license. I'm at the county clerk's office in the next county. Have Barney come. With $35. Barney comes in and he says, hey, what was that message about? And uh, oh, and Goober says, uh, something about a license, county clerk's office, and he needs you to bring him $35. Barney hears this and does and assumes, oh, it's a wedding license. Okay. There's actual reason. It, I, 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 it's finally not a completely insane leap in logic. Yeah. 
it's it's I thought it was fun because I was like watching it go like, oh, you're building. Like this is this is how a sitcom works. Okay. Antics ensue, but antics are not the entire episode. And then like there is a misunderstanding, but the misunderstanding makes sense within the context of this episode. They drive over and he brings everybody, Goober, Aunt, crying Aunt B, and Opie in the suit. And of course, Andy says, No, god damn it, it's a fucking fishing license, you idiot. And they Wah, 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 wah. Uh, and final stinger uh, is that Bar- Andy has sent Thelma Lou and Barney out on a date. I figured the only way you and I are going to gain time together is if we send Barney out in the woods. Of course, it does not work. Barney comes in. I don't even remember what bullshit excuse he has. And I'm like, yeah, at this point, you're very clearly trying. You left your own girlfriend to do this. And the look on Andy Griffith's face. He's so mad. And they just close on him just glaring and just being mad and dumbfounded. And it's a great face. It's a great face. This is a great episode. It is, like, honestly, a a prototype for a good sitcom episode. Just a solid sitcom episode all around. Congratulations, Andy Griffith Show. It took you five fucking years. I Love Lucy and the Dick Van Dyke Show were doing this shit ten years ago. I don't know what took you so long. But... It's just a solid all-around like idea for a uh, a TV episode to the point where I was sure. I kept looking. I was like, I'm sure there has to be another episode of TV like this. We can do a comparison episode. I went through TV tropes. I couldn't find anything. There's a ton of like, you know, kisses being interrupted tropes, but none that was like continuous and by the matchmaker. Anyway, I'm rambling. I liked this. So I liked this episode a lot. Um, the one thing I do, I, I, I mentioned up top. So at the end of this episode, they kind of have to break up. Oh yeah. Right. For sure. They have to break up. Not because they're a bad couple. We've talked about how they're a bad couple before. They have to break up. They literally can't be in a relationship. They get, no opportunities to just be a couple. It kind of like it sort of makes sense for why we always think they're such a bad couple. They don't think about each other. The only time that they get alone is ruined by the fact that Andy is sort of the caretaker to a, a menagerie of lunatics. So yeah, I think like this basically ends them being like, "Hey, uh, hit me up when Barney dies." Yeah. But until then, I gotta go. Uh, I have no idea, like. Her her name not appearing in the one sentence summaries doesn't mean anything, but just control F Helen on the list of Andy Griffith show episodes. Uh, Helen's name doesn't appear again until episode 24. We Jesus. might see Helen between then and now, but she's not in the uh, in the episode descriptions. So we'll find so out. It, it is also implied that Andy and Helen haven't fucked yet. Because Barney is talking about how he fucked Thelma Lou on his couch. Um, and they're talking about Andy's relative dating life. And it's basically like, you just like walk her home and have kissed her. Like, so they haven't hooked up yet. It's been like two seasons. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is, it is strongly implied. In fact, he uh, Barney clearly says that he's like, yeah, you guys, I don't want you to think about anything else except the birds and the bees. Like, yeah, he's trying. Like, he says he's trying. He wants them to fuck in the woods. <laughs> or he wants them to think want- they can fuck in the woods and then get in their way. Because <laughs> yes. that is his weird perversion. 
ratings for this episode, Dan. Uh, I, I'm obviously higher on it than you are. What's what's your Andy meter? So, the Barney interrupting stuff did work for me. Ernest T. Bass's cameo as the TV repairman was fucking great. I think that was funny. the high point of the episode. Yeah. Um, I think it's dragged down for me more by um, uh, the repetitiveness of the um, Barney thinks that Andy is getting married bit. Yeah. Which, um, uh, I mean, isn't necessarily this episode's fault. I think if I had not seen that joke five times already, I think it might be six or seven, um, it would have landed a lot better. Um, also, the Goober Pile bit fucking sucks. It's so bad. And it's so bad. Basically put me, I wanted to fast forward through it so bad. I did. And I wish I had, because I think I would have enjoyed the episode more if I just hadn't sat through that. Because it is so, not just like unfunny, but unpleasant. Um, so I think I would have liked it more if I had fast forward to that. So I'm going to put it at like uh, six. I'm going to say a seven. I'll give it a seven. Okay. I'll be nice. All right. uh, I, I'm not like upon rewatch. I watched this episode twice and upon rewatch, like the goop, it's, it's funny. The first time I was like willing to get through the goober pile stuff. Cause I was like, I don't know where this is going. And I'll the second time, because I knew all the rest of it was so good. I was like, I just fast forwarded every single time Goober Pie was on screen. It drags it down so much, uh, but I'm yeah. I'm still gonna give it an eight. Uh, I think it is just an all around solid piece of TV, uh, and it does. I thought it was getting a ten out of you. You sure you don't want to do a ten? Uh, you know what? So I, I know, I know, but I can't. I can't give it a ten with that Goober Pile bullshit. I can't. The okay. highest I could go is like a nine. Uh, but that Goober okay. pile. If you're doing, if you're only doing an eight, I'm dropping down to a. That's six. fine. That's fine. There needs to be more distance between us. Yeah, that's fine. I can't. I can't, in good conscience, go higher than a nine because I hate Goober piles bullshit so much. Uh, and absolute zero on Barney meter. Like, well, okay, all right, all right, we, Marty. I, Marty. Yes, right. Vietnam we points. Blah, blah 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 blah. No, no, no. We listen. We we got it. We are. Two engaged slash married men who are against infidelity in any and all forms and disapprove of it strongly. Correct, Marty? Marty? Right? I, I do. Right? I do. I do disapprove of infidelity. Right. That is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, just to be clear, uh, Breaking Mayberry is strongly against child brides and infidelity. Child- and we're really against child infidelity. Yes. Oh, s- stop it. Like. Shouldn't be it shouldn't be at that point in the first place, but if it is, cut it Don't out. Don't do any of it. Don't do any of it. What do you do? Get out of here. Cut it out. Put that down. Stop it. Like so, I feel like we gotta give it like let's we're, we're gonna give it one point on the Barney meter on the basis of infidelity. Knock it off. It's. Get out of here! It's just, again... Shape up! Just the weird, casual treatment of it. That, like, at at most, everybody refers to, like, does it with a Marge Simpson grunt. That's the most response it gets. So strange, so weird. But you've heard us say this a million times, and I I can't even be bothered to give a shit about it anymore. Okay, I... Two. I'll give it. During I'll give it time, a two. During I'll the, give it a two. Dan, is that what you want to hear from me? Five. No, no, five. no. I just, I just have to summarize a thing of it. Is like, it's just weird. It's a weird window into a time 
and a like a a, a a time and a place where like your buddy was just cheating on his wife and you like and it was just like you just like probably like i think everybody just knew a guy who was cheating on his wife on a regular basis probably like multiple guys and it was so fucking normal and it, this is just like oh, I, I think we don't really get a lot of window into it because it's never really talked about like directly uh but it, this is like the most we've seen it and it's a really just weird peek into that world of like oh man jim you cheat what are you cheating on your wife again Dude, come on. Like, just that the, is just so fucking weird to me. The only thing on TV I think has ever come close, and someday when we haven't been recording for an hour and a half, let's actually do a comparison. But it's the Nancy Gribble, John Redcorn storyline on King of the Hill. That's the only thing I can think of that comes yeah. close. And uh, it's really clear that everybody on that show is not down with it. They aren't yes. saying anything because they're bad friends and because it's gone on for so long, but they're not down with it. Like the show yeah, disapproves. They're very uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Uh so someday we'll we'll do that comparison. Uh so yeah, it is it is weird, but I just I don't care that much to maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's you talking yeah, me into it. One, I'm gonna say Oh one. fuck you! You talked me into it too. <laughs> you talked me into it too. This stuff. I talked you into it too. This yeah. shit gets recorded on a spreadsheet, Dan. <laughs> yeah. You're locked into it too. All right. I want an asterisk put next to that too. Uh, that's it for us. I. It's. It, it's gonna. It'll blow back at me because people will be like, Dan Ludwig doesn't think that infidelity warrants a two. What's he hiding? All right, so that's it for us this week. Uh, I would like to let you all know that Dan and I did not start the fire. It was always burning since the world had been turning. Uh, And that you should support us with your money dollars. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry slash... Yeah, that's that's the one slash. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Uh, $8 a month gets you Discord, bonus episodes, etc., etc. You all know the deal. Uh... Facebook. Wait, no, 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 we don't. Don't we all know the deal with the Patreon? That's that's the money. <laughs> Do uh, Patreon. You can make us watch stuff. Yeah, uh, I think we have a we have a bonus episode like coming up. I think we're about to record that next. Just did a Power Rangers thing. People normally make us watch weird Japanese stuff. It's pretty dope. You should try it out. Good pitch. Good pitch. You write. Yeah. You write ad copy for a living. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. No, no more, yeah. no more social media stuff. I'm sorry, I, I don't make you do instructional design on the podcast, do that's I? True. I'm off hours. That's true. Uh, no more, no more plugs for social media stuff. Please just tell your friends. That's the big thing. Tell your friends, rate and review. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you all down at the fishing hole.
Do, do, do.